Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Money, money, money. What's that song? Money. Yeah. About money, moolah, cold, hard cash. Who sang that song? Money, money, money. There's a Pink Floyd song. Pink Floyd's great. Uh, there's also the money that's what i want there's also mo money mo problems yep <laughs> what's that uh what's that one commercial for like the it's like either peach tree or jg wentworth it's my money and i need it now <laughs> definitely <laughs> jg wentworth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what our topic about. is yeah <laughs> Can anybody mm-hmm. guess what our topic is? We're talking about money and what our relationship to it is or is not. Our what emotional else? attachment to money. Our attachments, yes, yes. I think uh, also how it affects our clients and also how it affects us as coaches and how it affects our business, perhaps even, um, and uh, our willingness to ask from our business. Um, our, uh, there's all kinds of emotional uh, baggage that comes with money. Um, while we were doing, uh, while I was watching various things on this, one of the things that, that struck me that a woman said was she was in a room of people and asked what their relationship was with money. And every one of them, no matter where they were in life, no matter how much money they had, had a, a element of fear attached to their money. And she was like, how cruel is it? that we all have to participate in a system that instills an innate fear in us at all times. And it's like, oh man, that's true. <laughs> really struck me, but that really tells you, I mean, if you think about fight or flight um, and, uh, and and the impact fight or flight has as, on us as human beings, right? I mean, uh, well, that's fear-based. So you can imagine uh, that knowing the uh, fear that comes along with money that we often may not make always make the most um uh intellectual of decisions uh, when it comes to it non-emotionally charged uh choices um one of the questions i wanted to ask in this space of everybody is has there ever been a time that money your money your relationship with money had an effect on your relationships Hmm. my significant no well it doesn't even have to be significant other friendships i'm talking about just a human relate you because you have a relationship with money and then that relationship can so often come between friends come between i mean in in many ways uh create So, so, so not personal relationship business relationship yes I had uh, one of the other businesses that I had back back in the day. Um, uh, company filed bankruptcy, um, and <laughs> while we still paid all our bills, they did not, and that was a tough time. That was really a tough time. So emotionally, while it didn't affect, meaning, of course, it affected our relationship, but not in the sense of that it was a bad or caused us to fight more or anything like that. It just, you know, we had to tighten that belt really fast, cinch it up. Um, and consequently <laughs> from that, uh, 
experience, my children have learned to tighten their belt. And, you know, as we talk about that attachment or it's, there are some fears there of, you know, we've had some really tough times and we don't want to go back. Mm -hmm. So that, that adjusts your behavior essentially Mm -hmm. for the long term. Um, I'm going to quick question. So now that when you've adjusted the behavior and you guys are saving, cinching your belt, et cetera, what does that do for you? Makes you work longer, harder, not have as much fun. (laughs) What does that do for you emotionally? How do you feel when you're doing that? How do I feel emotionally? Um, I haven't thought about it emotionally in a while. So how do I feel? I I feel like I I don't think I'm going to answer your question because I probably need more time to get there uh, to really find what that response is. But what I can say is it's definitely still the desire to want to take some time off. The desire is there. The follow through is not. I know for me personally, oh, Jerome, I see you. I see yeah, you. Yeah, I would say what there's a saying. What's the saying? <laughs> growing up, I was, I was, uh, the saying was repeated to me. I forget what is, you lose your money or you lose your friends, one or the other. Um, and for me, that kind of instilled uh, a want to detach from money from an early age. Um, I value friendships and experiences much more, I think, than, um, than money. Not to say that money isn't valuable to me, uh, definitely is. But um, when you're speaking about it getting in the way of my relationships, it's come up. Um, but anytime that it's ever come up, I've had to detach emotionally um, and really mm-hmm. assess the situation as to whether or not I wanted to proceed with that emotion. You know, is that something that I want to inflict on whoever that friend is or whoever that person is? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and allow that to kind of snowball into something that kind of can sometimes money can be messy. Right. And, uh, I try and I do my best to stay away from, um, allowing money to get in the way again of, of true, true relationships, true friendships. Um, that's kind of where I come from with it. Um, but I mean, um, I was uh, having a discussion with Anthony about this not too long ago about how it's interesting though, that uh, it can affect our relationships in ways that maybe we don't expect. And that if I'm a person that is, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm settled, I've got it figured out and I'm able to have some extra surplus money to go and do things. Right. Not at all times are, are, are other people able to do the same and it creates a sort of dissonance, right. Between Mm -hmm. that can affect friendships uh and things of that nature yeah i saw heads nodding (laughs) um i wanted to like say like you asked to think of one thing but like i thought of pretty much everything it is in i think i try not to think about it too much but i end up thinking about it's like the pink elephant so i try not to think about it but it's like money and just money in general has pretty much it found its way insidiously to define every aspect of my life. I think every aspect of everybody's life where it defines your relationships with people, who you know, who you talk to, 
your relationships with your parents, friends. Um, uh, as an example, um, this was a this was a funny moment in my childhood where I like became more like it's like boom instant knowledge awareness of the world that I didn't have before. For some strange reason, I just assumed as like maybe a fifth grader, sixth grader, I was like, oh yeah, everyone's got a college fund. I saw this on TV one time. <laughs> Parents save money for their kids to go to college. It's a totally stupid, ridiculous idea now to like assume that was true for everybody. But I saw it on TV and it mentioned in movies, so I just assumed that was the case. And everything and is one, true that's on TV. Yeah, yeah. And then one time I asked in a grocery, like a grocery store, I remember this moment, I was waiting in line for groceries. And for some reason, like something came over, I asked my mom, I was like, hey, how much is in my college account? She's like, what? I was like, <laughs> yeah, my college fund. She's like, nothing. I was like, what do you mean nothing? <laughs> and the realization hit like after that, following a few days after that, I was like, oh, I got to like handle like this is something that needs to be handled in the immediate future and be handled by me. But, you know, it defines money, defines where you live. It defines who you associate with, who your parents associate with. It defines where you go to school, essentially. Um, it defines so many aspects that if I came from a poorer background or a richer background, I'd probably be a completely different person. Mm. I wouldn't be sitting in this chair as Anthony, as you know, I'd be some other person with some other people that I know working a different job, essentially. So I really think that money almost entirely defines who you are before you even get to have a say with who you are as a person. Mm. Uh, I grew up in a, in a, a, a wealthy neighborhood. Um, and I watched uh, millionaires, essentially, um, who lived lives beyond their means, even though they still had it, right? And were miserable and were killing themselves and were making other people miserable and were always mad at everybody around them and feeling victimized and, and feeling like they could trust any, nobody. And I, I grew up in this very kind of toxic money environment that you wouldn't think. You think, you know, behind the orange curtain, if you know where Orange County is, um, <laughs> there is a... It's all puppy and puppies and kittens. I mean, I even I grew up knowing the Real Housewives of Orange County, and uh, I just watched them. One of the funniest things is they would go and they would film, and they would go into jewelry stores and they would buy everything, and then as soon as the cameras were off, they would return everything. Um, and I know this because I knew that you're friends with the jewelry owner, and she would always giggle about this and stuff. <laughs> um, and so, like, they're this lavish for everybody like we're doing great but behind closed doors you have no clue what's going on and a lot of times it's a disaster um because uh and so i at 18 was like deuces i'm out of here i want nothing to do with this i'm tattooing myself these people don't like people with tattoos they won't like me good then i'll never have anything to like i am doing everything i can to make myself different than these humans <laughs> um and i rebelled against money like to the nth degree i was like it was, it was just made <laughs> in a way did that's a way of like money defining you that's like not even your money it's other people's money ended up defining you in a way that like maybe I wouldn't well, have I am well, I've even written about how like my rebellion against all of these things I did not like ultimately was me buying into all these things that I did not like and giving them power 
and I, I've since, of course, let go of all of that and been like, okay, first, just do you and do what's right for you and do what's best for you. Because really, you're just doing yourself more harm and giving more validity to systems that you don't appreciate. Um, and so, it, it, but it was just very interesting because it, it was so prevalent in my life. It was even used as a tool uh, of like, oh, I'm not there, so we'll let me buy you things um, and make it better. And then, I, I mean, there's, it builds up resentment. And then, then let me hold that over your head later. <laughs> um, and so then it became like, you know, I, I didn't like accepting gifts. I didn't, you know, like there are all these strings that sort of kind of attached with it that I saw. And it, it definitely shaped so much of the way I looked at the world and so much of the way that um, I think I saw others looking at, at the world as well. And I would agree with you, Anthony. I think the birds of a feather flock together. And we may not even realize it. We live in a neighborhood where who we interact with is really greatly dependent on our proximity. And because of that, it does greatly affect who it is that we interact with. We can't deny that. Um, so it does define us in ways beyond even our day-to-day -day comprehension, I think. It's one of those things like we talked about last week, the the illusions that we have, where we have these illusions that... that uh, sort of upkeep and i think it's one of those illusions where, where we assume it's not affecting us to the degree that it actually is um and i'll take it to another level later when we start to talk about decision making uh with regard to, to money and, and how that might apply for our coaches jen i see you nodding <laughs> um that's just so interesting you, what you just shared i'm like this is so interesting i want to know more um <clears throat> i feel like i'm still so developing <laughs> I feel like I'm still developing my uh, adult view of money. <laughs> like when I was younger, it was just like not even a real thing. Like it was, it was made up. It was like a, a unicorn. Like it wasn't real. I just didn't take ownership of it or anything. I, I never, I just didn't have really much of a relationship with it. If I got into trouble, somehow I was able to get out of trouble. It just was never a thing. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> there's, there's a lot here. And um, it, it's definitely, it, it's an interesting subject, your relationship with money and the emotions tied behind it, for sure. And the fear, especially now with things the way they are. Yeah. And it's getting, a, it's getting a little threatening out there with the economy. They keep telling us how. I think part of my frustration with money comes from the fact that I realize now at my age, it's importance because I was a little similar to you in my later teens and I guess earlier twenties, but also the realization that it is entirely fake. Like yeah, it's no, not real. Yeah, it's not real or substantive in like any actual way, yet we treat it as the most real and valuable thing there is and as a, I guess, a signifier of worth and value and work and time and it's gotten even more things. like if we, if, we, if we go back in the history of money, like money used to be essentially before before there was tangible coin and things like that, it was an exchange of goods. You have a bookkeeper and you'd say, okay. And he would be in charge of going, okay, well, this guy's going to do this. And he just, it was his job to keep a running tally of so-and-so helped this person do this. And in exchange, this person is doing this. And it wasn't an actual exchange of, of goods as much as it was an exchange of bartering system, exchange of services. But then what, what began to happen is, is um, as a, if somebody owed somebody money, they would issue them basically like 
coinage IOU, but they would also make sure that coinage had their signifier on it, like there something that said, this is mine, this is my IOU, this is my, this is my, you know, whatever that is. And, and it became an extension, almost like an ego extension, and it, but it, and it built, it built communities, right? We know that this, this currency is accepted here because this guy does business here. And so, hey, I got this much debt to him, but I have less. Let's trade these things out. And it became this form of trading. But all of that had his, it was great marketing, had his name or whatever it is on it. Still exists today. You look at U.S. currency. You look at all the currency that's out there. Our currency is very much our currency. It's labeled. It's got the, our forefathers on it, all these things. Um, but what's even crazier now when you think about it, how much do we deal in money now? There are stores you can go into and they don't even accept money. Uh, so it's become even less tangible. And now it's this digital good that's sort of going around, which is just even more odd because it's like, it's there, I think. <laughs> right? Sometimes if I invest in the wrong thing, then there's less of it. <laughs> Other um, times I get lucky and there's more of it, but it's just like, I'm, it's, so intangible now that it's like a game essentially i do it's wonder like what the long term yeah i wonder what the long-term effects of that will be like the fact that it's so intangible mm -hmm. if it means that, that people become more willing to spend it and spend it frivolously because they've never seen the gold bar they've mm -hmm. never you know held that the the cash if 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 there's i mean i'm just curious in the future of what the, the long-term effects in economics and, and sociology will be um so i'm older than you guys in case you didn't know right <laughs> Back in the day, even even we when had on our nickels. Even before, you know, really before my time, they started to do credit cards, right? Credit cards, but they were only for um, really, really good credit holders who could prove, you know. So there was a limited amount of credit cards, and then what was it in the seventies or eighties? I'm going to say the eighties because I think it was a little bit more um cognitive i was a little more cognitive about money exchange like what we're, what we're talking about services and goods and credit cards and all that whatnot somebody said oh they're moving towards um replacing cash with credit cards and everybody would go no 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 that's never gonna happen no 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 um now fast forward what year we're 2022 and that's what i use all the time i'm like I hold the cash, the, the bits of cash I have, I don't spend it. I use the credit card. So we have tangibly gone through, as you went through some um, anthropology book and gave us some history behind that, we continually uh, evolve into something that doesn't really represent what we're utilizing. So it's kind of interesting how even that has changed through time. And, and then I think also, you know, as we've gone through 2020, <laughs> right? We all kind of stayed home and did things virtually. And I think that really solidified that that next movement for credit card to be. And now Bitcoin. Well, <laughs> and that. I haven't quite wrapped my head around that one so much. <laughs> no, yeah, um, a whole yeah. live on that some other time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like how Lisa said 2020, like the year that shall not be named. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no longer do we call it the C word. We call it the 2020 year. 
Yeah, there's PC. It's there's before, PC, there's before and COVID and yeah, yeah. after COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think we're even went on a faster, what do you call it, trajection to be on that credit card, be on the side of that um, prediction back in the day, whatever that was in the 80s, um, maybe early 90s, that they, oh, we're all moving to credit card, uh, you know, plastic. Pretty soon, it's going to be an arm, a chip, right? Chip well, me. I won't, I, lose, I won't lose a chip in my hand. <laughs> I won't lose my phone. I hardly even yeah. use my card. I use I use um, Apple Pay, and that's really mm-hmm. hard. Exactly. So let's see. Uh, so in all the spaces, what we're talking about, though, is what's interesting. We've all shared to some degree. I mean, we can tell the history of money better than we can probably tell the history of some relatives. Um <laughs> Uh, because it is that influential and, and prevalent in our lives. Bringing this to coaching and as coaches, um, what do you think this means for our clients? Well, just assuming based on what we've been sharing, we, we all have an attachment to it. We have fears associated with it. Um, starting a new business is really uncomfortable. We've had this discussion before on where that financial... Uh, uh financial what financial con- contribution to starting your own business concept is not, not only that you know if our clients are coming in mine definitely came in with issues between them themselves as a couple so when you asked earlier my personal one really the clients came in with a lot of issues <laughs> power struggles around money so mm-hmm. also i i just would think um with regard to, as Anthony was sharing, mm-hmm. my my limiting belief alert came off, went off, bing, 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 mm-hmm. bing, bing, a bit, right? Uh, while he is, it is true, and it is true for him, uh, I could also see a client coming in with the same dialogue in many mm-hmm. ways. I can't do that because of my station in life. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And there, I think money is definitely creates some mm-hmm. huge limiting beliefs and obstacles for our clients. Yeah. Can you guys think of any thinking, examples where that might be the case or? Well, it's, so it may not be adjacent. It's may not come up in a coaching session, but it's prevalent enough where it could prevent somebody from coaching because they have a conflicting like interest or money is the main conflicting interest. I can't coach because I don't have the money to coach for X, Y, and Z reasons. So it might not even, it might prevent them from even coaching with you in the first place. Right. Uh, most people think they can't afford coaching. Yeah. Right? This, this, most people are like, I can't, I can't afford it. But like, I mean, I couldn't afford it. Can I, ask, so can I ask a question around that though? Honestly? Can I ask a question? So this is going to, we're just going to sort of, this is, uh, it's like half marketer, half hat, uh, coach hat going on right now. It's like mixed bag of hats. <laughs> um, so you had, you said that you, you didn't have money to do coaching, right? Um, was there anything in your life that you wanted that you could have found the money to do to, to, like scrounge up the money that it was worth money. You had money to do to eat. Well, obviously, but I just mean, <laughs> yes, definitely. 
such as? Well, um, just simply like sacrificing eating out, you know, just simple cutbacks on, on where I could save. I, I know exactly where I can save. <laughs> so. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even, I mean, even, but even one step further than that. So then let's, let's, okay, you know where the money you can save, but you're saying to yourself, okay, but I don't have the money for coaching. So what would motivate you to start saving for coaching? Hmm. Hmm. So hold, you keep thinking, hold that thought. Here, here's the thing is we know, we on this panel know the value of coaching. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, that's what I'm, yeah, mm -hmm. that's why I'm asking Jen. I'm saying, what, what, what would motivate, like what would need, if, in asking this question, I'm hoping that she gives, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to say what I'm hoping she gives, but, <laughs> um, uh, but what would motivate you to start saving? What would have to happen, let's say? Um, I, I would have to be at a point where I just, I'm so ready to change. I'm so ready to invest in myself for that change. Okay. That's not and what you were hoping I was going to say. No, it's fine. No, it's perfect. Don't change anything. <laughs> Me as a coach, if I'm a coach and I want to be your coach, and you have to get to the point that you are ready to invest in yourself for coaching. What could I do to, to get you to that point? I don't know. Um, I have an immediate answer to that question. I know, I'm sure you do, yeah. I don't know. I think the answer is probably nothing, to be honest, <laughs> um, because you have to be ready, right? You're not yeah. coachable, you're not ready. Um, I think that's a really good thing to, to talk about, though, in this space, is mm -hmm. we as coaches, let me ask one more question before I go down this path. If Do you follow coaches now? Mm -hmm. And are there coaches out there you would hire and respect if you were ready? That question's hard for me because I currently hire a coach. Like I'm currently doing it. Okay. Okay. So you're so. currently, there you go. What got you there? You So you're, are you, you currently have a, co wait, now I'm confused. <laughs> so you're, are you paying your coach currently? Yes. Oh, perfect. Okay. So you got there. I got there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what got you there? It was, I literally just, I had to. I had to choose the discomfort of the money being an, an amount that I was uncomfortable with. I had to just allow that uncomfortable feeling of like, this, this is more than I typically have ever invested in myself for personal what is, growth. What is the expectation? Um, the expectation is I guess learning, um, learning how to process life in a way that 
gives me more joy and ease and allows me to be in more alignment with who I am and what I want. How do we sell that as a coach? Um, you have to live it yourself. I have to see it in you. I love that. And you have to see it in me. So it has to be authentic, right? Yeah. You have yeah. to believe in what you, it is that you're selling, you're capable of, you have to show, you have to do the do, right? Yes. You would have to show me that you buy your own product and believe in your own product. You got to sell yourself first. Huge. <laughs> Yeah. So important, number one. I mean, number one besides niching, but. <laughs> um, did you see the smile on her face too? Like, like she knew. She's like, yeah, I know exactly why I hired this coach. Yeah. I know exactly why. Yeah. Exactly. Because she was who she is and, and, and I believe her. Yeah. Because I believe her, I can buy her product. I trust her. What's the lesson in there for our coaches? Everybody's brain. I see the hamsters. <laughs> Is that open to the floor? Yeah. I, I think you've got to be authentically yourself um, and don't be afraid to authentically be yourself because, again, you can't really fake what we're speaking about here. So to attract genuine clients on a consistent basis, you've got to not stray away from being who you are. You've got to be passionate about what you're sharing and what you're providing and not not let the in, in that moment of expression that passion not let self-doubt the ego get in the way i'm gonna ask one more question there was another lesson in there that we kind of skipped over too hmm. jen jen paid more than she was comfortable with for somebody she thought was authentic which for me tells our coaches who are out there terrified to ask for money when they're coaching that if they are believe in their product, if they're being authentic, if they, they, they're out there going, I can help you and, and being passionate, authentic individuals, you can ask for what you think you deserve. You can ask for your product, your value will be matched. Um, on that last question where you what what did you ask we what we run we went around what did you just ask the the, um, the the what was the lesson for our coaches there <laughs> um no it was um what do you need to see in a coach or something and uh, jerome talked and then lisa talked one thing i would add to it at least in my experience is i want to see your struggle and i want to see how you operate. I want to see how you process things. I want to see how your mind works, right? Like I think about uh, examples like Mike, right? Like his energy, the way he just, the way he is doing life is so inspiring. Mm -hmm. I would hire Mike in a heartbeat. He just coming yeah. through. That is translating to me. That is speaking to me. I want some of that, right? I want to have that same 
zest and joy and like ability to just be resilient and just keep going and just yes so share your struggle i would say because that is inspiring i'll take it one share your struggle and share your joy share yeah. your share your success as well yeah yeah my um my machiavellian brain is like churning right now and it's what is it that coaches are successful coaches are actually selling they're not selling a product or a commodity they're not selling you know pants or food or a bracelet or they're not tangible things that they're actually selling that you can hold in your hand it, what it sounds like i'm not saying this is like true the end all be all but what it sounds like is that successful coaches sell an image of a lifestyle or a lifestyle um, and you're essentially trading one intangible money for another intangible, a lifestyle or the presentation of a lifestyle. And then the way, the process to get there. So when we talk about niching down the return on investment, we talk about what do you, what does that end goal look like? Where do you want to be? We try to bring the future into the present moment with the client and try to get them to pretty much visualize it and live in that moment. I think, I think if you distill down what every single coach for the most part is selling, because mm. we're not financial, you know, we're not consultants, we're coaches. Yeah. So I think if you distill it down, every single coach is selling hope and possibility mm -hmm. yeah. at the end of the day. They're selling the possibility of whatever that is that the client wants. Yes. And the coach is the example of what's possible for the client. And the successful coaches, you can see the results. Like it's very clear. Like if you were to coach, like let's say you had a coach you're working with and you wanted to be happier and well-fulfilled individual. If you coach with the most miserable SOB in the world who just did not look the image of a happy and fulfilled person, you're not really going to hand your money over to them. It's very clear that they're not living the lifestyle that you want to live. I want to tread carefully here, though, a little bit carefully, because yeah. when I when we when we say these things, what I want us to also know is it, to to nobody's perfect. So even the coaches that are exuding all the, they have their own struggles, they have their own things, they have their own, you know. But I think, like Jen even said, share your struggle. Mm -hmm. Be real, be authentic, and show that you can. You're still out there doing it, right? And no, I'm still coaching. I mean, in spite of everything, in spite, you know what I mean. I think that's important. Yeah. What? Oh, go on, Lisa. So one of the things that I will have a conversation about: you either got to put money in marketing, advertising, or you got to put your time and energy in getting out there in front of others, right? And Either way, though, you're getting out there in front of others. You got to get out there. That's the bottom line. What we're talking about is the getting out there part. When you're in that coaching and client seat, you're not going to do what we're talking about in that sense. You're going to be authentic during the session, but your story is still not going to come up. It's going to kind of, when you're, when you're in that authentic seat, 
it kind of just, you know, that that's where the person's coming from. You don't have to tell them in that seat when you do and can tell them is before they ever come into your door. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I've gone through. This is what my struggle was. This is what, you know, as I'm going through my podcast, I'm going through this expression of what I'm struggling currently with and how I'm coming and working and doing. Those are the ways that you can be expressing who you are um, within your niche and how that growth potential occurs. What are you going to say, Brooke? I want to, I want to bring this back to money too, though. So like, yeah, I want to yeah. take this back to the, to the money portion of this and that, mm-hmm. so talking about, again, what Jen said, she paid for a service. She said, she said she, but what the, the kind of another moment where she went icky, I had to get comfortable with paying more than I am comfortable with paying. Yeah. So let's talk about the emotion there, right? There's an emotion there. What, what, what does tell me about emotionally what that chunk of money means to you or what it felt like to you when when she had to think about it or while she's giving it over either way like you can talk before and after (laughs) it's like um I don't know. It's weird. It's like, I feel like, um, if I don't, if I don't get results and that's, I don't mean that, I mean that subjectively, if I don't get results, then I don't know. It's like, I, I, there's just something that feels very vulnerable about that chunk of money and not getting results. I think that was my biggest thing it is if I don't have tangible results for this money, I will feel embarrassed, ashamed, um, regretful. So this, all, which is, I mean, so <laughs> amazing emotions right there, right? Powerful, palpable emotions, embarrassed, ashamed, vulnerable, all because of an exchange of money, right? Because there's so much more to it than that. Because it's our time, it's our it's our life. It's it's possible. Money is possibility for us. Mm-hmm. Much the way same way coaching is. So we want to take this thing that's possible of doing a lot of other things. We're we're taking this one item, money that can do so many things, and we're saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna direct it this way. We're making this decision. This is a poignant point that Dan brings up a lot uh, in class is that that just by booking you, your client has taken a big step. It's a huge step. It's another reason I say charge for your services because the accountability is so much more present when somebody hands you their money because why? They're handing you their time. They're handing you possibility. They're handing you potential. And they're feeling vulnerable and scared when they do. And that's where our job as clients is to come in and go, okay, or as coaches to come in and go, okay, let's do this, let's do this work. And, and you got this, right? <laughs> um, but that's why trust is so critical in marketing. 
because we feel vulnerable when we give people money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, true, true. It still feels vulnerable to this mm -hmm. day, <laughs> but I love it. I mean, I love it so much and I'm getting tangible results, but I'm also getting intangible results because there's results that are taking place in my mind that people don't have any clue about. Only I know the magic of what's taking place in my mind. That's awesome. Yeah. And look at it. And look at the smile. You can tell by the smile. Smile alone. She's getting a return on investment right there. Because right? it would be a whole other story if we if she was not. But it does make it. This is something I've said for a long time. It does make a coach's job difficult. Um, as far as selling goes, because right, like Anthony mentioned, if we need, if our pants rip a hole in them, we need to we go out. We know the solution. We got to go out buy buy a pair of pants, put them on. There we go. We're hungry. We know we got to get some food. If uh, you know these are these, are, if our power goes out, we haven't paid the bill. We got to pay our electric bill. Very tangible. As a coach, we're selling something that's a little that that feels happiness. That's you're selling you're that. You're selling something that exists in the head of the client. And you're trying to pull that out. Like, of course, you do your marketing. You try to get attractive people who, whose goals align with what you are putting out in the world. But even if you get very similar clients all the time, each individual client has a different version in their little noggin that you have to tease and pull out and get them to say to you and then work towards that. Um what you're selling exists in their brains and you have to try to, well, you coach them to make that a tangible thing in their lives that they can say, oh, I've done X, Y, and Z. These are real results that I'm getting now. They're not just imaginary things. You've touched on a point there, a great point though, with regard to, okay, we everybody's got their own idea of what happiness is, what, what success is, right? But money, I mean, money regardless all makes us feel one way. But how do we distill that or how do we figure out with that one thing so that we can garner the tribe? I mean, this really tells you why niching is so important because it brings that authenticity. We're able to speak. We build the trust um, so that, that we feel less vulnerable when handing people our, our money, our hard earned money. When, so I want to uh, just throw this out there. I have a question, just random. How mm -hmm. much money is not how much money could you hand somebody and not stress about the, the loss of that money, whether or not you got your return on investment? What's your, what's, what's that number for you guys? Whether or not I got a return. Oh. That depends on who I give the money to. Yeah. I probably want to. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. It depends yeah. who I'm giving the money to. If it was okay, let let's boil it down to this. If I had like a magic box, I don't have a box on on hand right now. Let me actually. No, I'm gonna get a box real quick. I have a box. I have a box right here. <laughs> like I'm the one doing the exercise. <laughs> okay, what you so do. Got, oh, we found box. one. Okay. And all of you are allowed to put a certain amount of money in. And once I close the box, it immediately is just teleported into a random person's wallet or purse. <laughs> you don't know who it is. It could be anybody in the world. 
It could be anybody in the past or future. It could be Hitler that you're giving money to. You don't know. <laughs> it could be Jesus, whoever you know you like a lot. But whatever money goes in here, it's gone and it goes away. How much money you're putting in here? What are we getting for it? I know there's not a. I don't know what the ROI is. I, <laughs> but let's let's just talk. You get I nothing would, for this exercise. I'd like to be optimistic that it falls into the lap of somebody that needs it. Can maybe? we talk about? I just want to talk about this psychological experience experiment before yeah. we go further, because you guys are all going. Well, what do we get in return for it? What do we think about that, guys? The fact that every one of you went. Wait, wait. It got there was conditions upon giving from each and every every well, one. Well, but we are talking about. Yes, you know, so we're given a little more guidelines than that and just giving if we're out just giving, you know, I'm sure any of us could just give to the church, to Jesus, to under what circumstances though? You're still laying terms out yeah, there. I'm, no. Terms. We, okay, going forward, we're not allowed to change the rules of this exercise until I say so. <laughs> How much money are you willing to put in the box? Before it becomes uncomfortable. I'll put 20 bucks in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll do 15. <laughs> I might be willing to do 30. I was, yeah. thinking, I was thinking 100. I was before, thinking, even before you said that. I was thinking 50, but now I'm rethinking. I was thinking 50 at first too, but then I was like, I'm bringing it down to 20. Like my first response, I just did this recently. I didn't do, I took a risk on somebody recently. Uh, it was a situation I, I was like, I don't know if this is, this is, I don't know if I'm going to get anything back for this, but, but I'm willing to risk this much money. And it was $50. And I, and, but, but I, I gave him the hell. I was like, you do realize though, if you just take this money and run, you're losing and somebody who will, who will pay you more later. And if you come through on this service, like, <laughs> and I felt okay with that. I was like, okay, if it's a wash, it's a wash. I can live with this um, because ultimately it's his loss. Not mine. If he doesn't come through, <laughs> like but you were, you said in exchange for a service and a risk, like you were weighing the benefit versus the cost. You are not getting any benefit from the box. I'll do yeah. twenty bucks. I said that's why yeah, I said. I'm gonna go to twenty five because I'm gonna be really upset if I put sixty and Hitler gets that. Twenty bucks is easy. Oh yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, six. I can. I mean, I can pull that out of the ATM. It's a matter of convenience as much as it is for me. You know. Uh, <laughs> Oh, 60 American dollars. I'm not the one who's giving him money. That's Jerome. So what's, what's the, what is the, the point of your exercise? I was just, because you asked the question, okay. how much <laughs> but that's like a low ceiling oh, wow. though. But we all, we all, we all look, every one of us said 20 bucks ish, 15 from Jerome. So maybe that's what the cost is of a discovery session or something. That's similar. right there. That's so. That's how do we apply this to coaching? Well, that tells me that that eh, people could probably people probably throw twenty bucks out there pretty easily, right? Mm -hmm. as, as, a, as somebody who's doing marketing or pricing or talking to somebody about pricing, this is a question I would ask somebody. What what? How much for your ideal client? Is it easy for them to 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 invest as a like? lower level offer right i mean i guess my next question would be what do you have to get in return for that to make that 50. <laughs> what has to happen but 
this might be a good exercise to give to like coaches. Like you got what can I what can I do to this box to make you pay me two hundred dollars for something? <laughs> what do I have to do to this box? What, 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 I mean, ultimately though, what was more interesting for me in all of this was that every one of us went, wait, what do I get in return? Or, oh, only under these conditions. Is it going to go to somebody good? Is it going to, there's so much, we have so much attachment um, to money and, and everything. But think of it this way too, though. How would you have felt if Anthony said, oh yeah, that money, it, I mean, I'm going to pick a situation that will make all of us go icky, feel icky. Okay. We're all going to feel icky from this. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that box full of money went to somebody with a gambling problem and they have a family and they gambled away that money along with their kids' Christmas money. I've had to feel that exact situation working at a casino. I know you, you, that was, you were my inspiration there. Cause you told oh, me that good. story before. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God, that's horrible. Like I had a visceral reaction. And so, so I was like, let's, so how would that have made you guys feel? Mm-mm, not uh-uh, good. Right? Icky. Icky, icky. Like, oh, never doing putting money in a box again. <laughs> I think some of what you're describing is some from experience, too. The things that we've experienced in our own lives and how they impacted us. Um, and, some, and some of how it impacted um, you know, growing up with our families and how that got translated to us as well. I think it's inescapable to separate money from emotion. Mm-hmm. I just, you, we can't do it. It's well, not even money I, from your own morality and like sense of justice. Like I was being tongue in cheek with the Hitler thing, but Jerome, how would you have felt if your $20 went to Nazi Germany? <laughs> how about the, if, it went to, if it went to Putin? <laughs> um, yeah, let's put it in today's yeah. I, I was thinking of a, a what you go. I was going to say the reason I picked fifteen is I've I've lost money before in the past, and I'm not gonna you know be too upset if I lost fifteen dollars. And I think that's my baseline. I'm willing to do. Like, I'm willing to play twenty. I'd be a little like ugh, I could have could have bought something with us. What, what I'm getting up to twenty bucks. Yeah, I'll buy scratch. I'll pitch in for scratchers and lotto. But what, what I'm getting at though is that you a purse people feel morally implicated in the things that their money ends up going to. Yeah, um, it's not just like oh I'm getting something out of this. Like let's say well, you put yes, money in the box. I think we justifiably feel morally implicated because if our money goes to things things that are criminal, we can't actually go to jail for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in some situations, yes. Others, maybe not. (laughs) Um, What's the the Tesla guy's name? I was thinking of him. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I was thinking, you know, he doesn't need my measly $100 or $15 or $20. it better not go to him, right? So definitely we have those restrictions on what we would be comfortable with. But on the flip side, if all our contributions went towards the greater good of, for someone, then we feel good about what we've done. Which And so that attachment to feeling good or feeling bad, I mean, I, so there is a home, what I would presume a homeless person on the corner back in California um, when I was there. And I had just gone grocery shopping. 
And I thought, well, you know, I had seen somebody else come from a grocery store, be all out of it, get in their car that was a Mercedes, an older Mercedes, and drive away. I'm like, oh, that's really weird. So this person that's homeless, I'm assuming, just gone grocery store on the corner. I hand him some food. He was mad <laughs> that I handed him food. That's not what he wanted. Money is what he wanted. So it's definitely a food for thought. Our attachment to this money situation. So coaches and clients have this attachment. And the ability to share our passion helps somebody want to invest in us as much as we're investing in them. I want to, and I wanted to point out when you started that, you said, you said that what you did with your money would make you feel good or bad, depending mm -hmm. on where it went or how it went. This is one of the things I, I've said many times, I think this demonstrates it beautifully, is that we as people decide emotionally. Mm-hmm. We make our decisions emotionally. And then once we've made our decision, we justify it practically. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we make our emotional, we make our decision mostly. And it goes, this is what I want, want. That's, that is an emotion. This is all right. This is, um, and so I'm going to spend the money to do it. Boom. Uh, then what we do is take all this after we've decided we go through mm -hmm. all these hoops and we jump through all these hoops going, okay, this is why it's okay. This is why it's okay that I'm spending it. This is what, this is what I'm going to get in return. This is what, and all, we go through this whole process of justification, justification. But yeah. the truth of the matter is we've already decided here. Mm -hmm. All of that justification comes afterwards. So that's why appealing to that emotional person is, is, is the power. Yeah. You can justify, 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 justify all, but that doesn't, they've already just made up their mind and you can find a hell of a time changing somebody's mind when they've made it up, especially when they're deciding to do something for themselves yeah. from their own place. They're going to actually, most of the time, go out of their way to justify the decision in such a way that works to, to make the decision a good decision. And they're probably not going to want to hear so much that it's a bad decision. So the work is done for you if you can appeal to the emotional person. Some clients I had who came from the opposite of wealth, really not well-to-do whatsoever. They, uh, I worked in Costa Mesa. They took a bus from Long Beach. Anybody that takes a bus, no, that's going to be a hike of a bus to get to Costa Mesa. So Yeah, that's a long bus ride. I mean, just that's a long bus ride. It's at least a few hours. A yeah. Hours. Yeah. <laughs> so they would take they would take a bus ride to me. They couldn't get an earlier appointment. You know, we negotiated the time because that was the time they could get to me and get returned back to, to Long Beach. Anyway, so we were coaching the session. You guys have heard this story before, I believe. You know, third visit, they've come in. Now I'm asking them how they're working out their financials so that they can afford my services because I was ready to give them everything under the sun in that place. And then they told me what they negotiated for themselves because they valued the experience they were getting from our coaching sessions. And by golly, each session up until that third one, they were doing leaps and bounds of work and they were really striving and working hard on making their relationship a place where um, their foundation was more solid and they could 
you know, what we talked about last week, what is it? Anti-fragile, um, get into that anti-fragile position with their relationship. So that will in a way. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we're at the end of our time. Um, it went by fast. That went by oh, so fast. That was so the fastest slide we've ever done. I'm okay, sorry. I thought it was just me. <laughs> talk will do. <laughs> I feel like we haven't even like Scratched really the surface. Yeah. The topic. Like I, we're missing. It seems like we talked about the clients' relationship to money, not the coaches so much relationship. So we're gonna to money. Have, we're gonna have to circle back at this on yeah. this at yeah. some point. But I want to ask you guys one more question. One last one question again, but to wrap this up. It's it's sort of a bookmark. I asked, uh, has money ever affected you your relationships before at the beginning? And I just want to ask you that again. With myself, yeah. Yes, it affects every relationship I've ever had and probably will ever have. Uh, and I don't like to admit to that, but it's probably true. Hmm. Yep, same here. I try not to let it affect much, but when you when you say relationship, does. What are you referring to? What are you both referring to? Any I'm referring to relationships with like every person I know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Self. I mean, the whole gamut. It does. It, it spans. It uh, the. I think the easiest, much of the way that that coaches offer hope, money does the same. Yeah. Uh, and I think when we're lacking hope or we're scared of losing our mm -hmm. hope and possibility, we react in very uh, crazy ways sometimes. Um, when we have it, we feel like anything is possible, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that, that you can't escape that money affects uh, us in ways that we don't even realize. Um, but I don't like it, but yes, I agree. <laughs> but there's a great deal of power, as scary as it sounds, when we as as coaches, we as people, we as acknowledge that and go, okay, this is what it does. This is the effect it has on me and become conscious of that. Because I think that's when we can really start to make choices yeah. from a less emotional place and maybe uh, places that... that mm -hmm. Or that's where if that we so much to talk about, like the long term thinking, long term decision making versus short term decision making. Like Anthony, you really said it there. Like we really have only scratched the surface in this space. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. But can I just say I'm so glad that I made the decision to spend an uncomfortable amount of money on coaching? Like Good. thank God I did that. Yes. <laughs> that's the salt, right? That's the the pith, the the proof in the pudding right there. Yeah. So yeah. All right, guys, we're going to have to have, we're going to have to have like a money series at some point. Uh, <laughs> uh, who, who wants to close it out? Jerome, close it out. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, join us again next week here, Tuesday at four Pacific Standard. And what is our topic? I didn't check today. What is our topic for next week? If anybody can recall. I had it up just moments ago. Give me a second. I will tell you. Uh, I, did too. I, I would have had it memorized, but I added in you other stuff. Up first. Yeah, On your mark, get set. I think um, you're going to get it. Uh, 
Should we settle? We're speaking about settling, rationalization, compromise. Is that next? That's next week? Yes. Uh, that kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Mm. Um, no, I'm a liar. That's a few liar. weeks away. I'm like, yeah, kidding. no, that's not yet. That's a few weeks away. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about cultivating your purpose. That's cultivating your purpose. Okay. Ooh, that'll be fun for me to go off on. <laughs> So be sure to join us for that, everyone. Um, if you enjoyed today, please go ahead and like this, share this with anybody that you think might need a little bit of insight on coaching um, for your financial frustration. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. See you guys next week. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.